Okay. I'm just not going to disable anybody's talking. So once we enable you, we'll just have you mute yourselves after that. And then your, your name, your fake name is going to stay on. Okay. So does anybody have anything they want coaching on other than the stress of operating a business through Zoom? <laughs> anybody? Okay, so if nobody wants to say anything, if either of you are orthopedic surgeons or if you know anybody who's an orthopedic surgeon, there's a job alert in California. Um, Kaiser Modesto will be looking for sports and hand surgeons. And I'm, I've am i been um, doing some per diem work with this group and I, I think they're really great people. So I'm hoping I can help them find good people to join their team. Um, oh, eaten alive by mosquitoes. Here we go. How you doing? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. This is a great name. <laughs> it's a sad story at our house right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from St. Louis and the mosquitoes were horrible there. Yes. No, I have a horrible reaction. Clearly my daughter is my daughter because it's really horrible for her right now. But, um, so, um, I am relatively new to the group, um, and have most, thank you. Uh, mostly have been listening to the prior sessions. They haven't been able to join. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I know that there's been some sessions about like, boundaries and I think something that I have struggled with is um when I'm on vacation or or have a day off um Mm -hmm. trying to not necessarily fall behind and almost pick and choose the things that I am doing and I think the like partial engagement has been problematic because then I become like overly engaged Engaged in work while you're supposed to be resting or engage, like, can you be more specific? Yeah. So, um, I recently was supposed to be on like vacation, vacation. Unfortunately, COVID was ravaging through our house. And so I was essentially just home taking care of my kids while supposed to be on a vacation day. Um, but like getting charged for vacation. So trying not to, um, work substantially, um, and had gotten a, an email about a prior auth that was needed for a procedure, um, that was actually not a medical thing. It was more of a logistical issue of where the procedure was being performed. And, um, because of where I work in a pretty rural area, there's just not like freestanding, um, kind of like outpatient centers for this. Mm -hmm. And so it's essentially a logistical issue that like doesn't really need a physician to deal with the peer to peer. It just needs like an administrator to say like, this isn't possible in our area. Um, And so I had sent an email saying I'm on vacation. I'm really not available to do this. The procedure, this was a Thursday. The procedure was supposed to be on a Monday. Um, 
you know, this is what you need to tell them. It's not, a, it shouldn't be a peer to peer. It should just be a, you know, you just need to tell them this isn't possible here. And the, there was essentially no response. Just nobody from the billing department said anything. And it's a procedure where the patient has to prep and, um, you know, have a ride and take time off of work and someone else has to take time off of work for them. So I felt like it really needed to be something that was dealt with Mm -hmm. and nobody responded for like overnight until late the next morning. And I felt this intense guilt that it needed to be addressed because either the patient was going to show up and then be turned away or they were going to be stuck with a huge bill. So I ended up doing the peer to peer Finally, after about 45 minutes of giving the same detailed information that they already had in their system, but I think they somewhat intentionally make you go through everything again just to make it difficult, um, spoke with the physician who basically laughed and said, why are you doing a peer-to-peer? This doesn't need a peer-to-peer. This is like an administrative problem. Yeah, but was it the physician from the insurance company? Yes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Keep going. So, you know, ultimately I was like really frustrated about the whole thing. Um, Spent an hour of my, you know, so-called vacation day dealing with this. Um, It felt like it was the right thing to do for the patient because it was something that had come up so close to when the patient's procedure was Mm -hmm. Um, and was just like very very frustrated by the entire process of like, it's so last minute, the, you know, no one's responding to an email with direct information about how to deal with it. And um, essentially just like took it upon myself to do it because there's no real way to contact people beyond this email. Um, And then, you know, mentioned it to my division chief who was like well you shouldn't have done that like you're on vacation and I was like well right but it's the right thing to do for the patient she was like well you're right it is but you shouldn't have done it and I I still am not quite sure how I should have dealt with it otherwise um yeah and I'm still just very torn because I feel like it's going to come up again this is a very interesting dilemma and it's one that might you know, I might not even have a popular opinion here, to be honest with you, um, but maybe this could be a good point for us to kind of bring up to the group about different ways in which we can engage with these things that undoubtedly happen all the time. And the win here is, number one, the right thing happens for the patient. And, and number two, you have your own personal power in the situation. The question I think that any individual would really need to answer for herself would be, what does personal power actually mean? Because there could be somebody who looks at what, you know, this kind of story that you just told for us, there could be some people who look at that and say, well, having personal power means I'm going to take a stand and I'm not going to do the things while I'm on my vacation or on sick leave, which is if we're being honest, that's really what you were doing, even though you got docked vacation. Um, 
So that's like one camp. And so personal power to one person might look at, I'm not doing this anymore. I've, I'm not doing it. And there will be consequences and that will be, everybody will have to deal with them. But this is my own, this is the, the line in the sand that I'm drawing. Then there might be another way to look at it, which would be like, well, I can just deal with this thing. It'll literally take me 10 minutes and I'll knock it out and then I'll be free because your vacation got ruined because you were thinking about it for like 48 hours, it sounds like, or maybe I'm exactly like 36 hours. So the thing wasn't getting taken care of and you were suffering. The two things I just described were either the thing gets taken care of by you in the moment and you don't suffer, or you don't take care of the thing and you don't suffer. So which of those two options seems better for you, for, for, for you, because we don't know you, like we don't know what your personal ethos is. And I think people might be split on this and guess what? There's no right answer. You get to do what's right for you. And I guess the other like thing that I'm thinking is like, should I just, I mean, it's on my phone. So I'm overly tempted to check my work email, but do I like delete the app when I'm not working so that I, if I hadn't known about it, it wouldn't have bothered me. Yeah. I would have shown up on Monday and just dealt with it. But then there would have potentially been a whole lot of other things that I like easy things or, or sort of just like cleaning up things that I could have just gotten rid of. That's right. So this is why you, what you desire really, really matters. This is a really individual thing. And, you know, I think part of the reason why we get so burned out in, in our jobs is that we do take care of a lot of these things and they do fall on us. And I think that that really bogs people down. But then there are other people who would rather be the one to take care of this stuff because it's so much easier. And then, you know, it's done properly and then there's like no fallout. So it just depends on what kind of person you want to be. Like, how do you want to show up? There's no right answer or wrong answer. It's what do you want? What is powerful for you? And I really love to think about things this way. Like what makes everybody better off at the end? of this particular scenario, your patient. So let me back up a step. What would have been the absolute worst case scenario? Like, let's say you didn't have awareness of the problem and the thing didn't get approved for the proper location and the patient does a prep, which sounds like it's not pleasant. Anything with the word prep in it doesn't sound pleasant. And then she shows up and the thing gets canceled and has to be rescheduled. And then she gets in a car wreck on the way home. Like that's the worst case. That's pretty bad. Right? I'm being hyperbolic on purpose. Like that's the worst case scenario. Now, if you had no awareness of it, it's like, well, yeah, you probably feel bad. Anybody would, but then we'd be like, what were, what was I supposed to do? I had no idea. And having had this happen once before, I think most likely what would have happened is the procedure would have happened and I would have 
ultimately done the same peer to peer and said, it's already happened. And because there's literally nowhere else they can go, they would have just approved the procedure. Yeah. Um, like retroactive. But I suppose the patient could have had the procedure. And if they, for whatever reason, said that they have to drive, you know, two hours to a big city, they could get stuck with the bill, which for some people is untenable. Right. So what's the, what's, let's figure out what makes everything better off. It's the patient getting her procedure in, in the, in the right location. It's you not suffering during your vacation. And it's, um, there to be some sort of thing in place so that this doesn't happen again or happens less and less. Does that sound like a reasonable, good outcome? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's name it. Um, killing it at work and vacation. <laughs> How does that sound? <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay. Have you learned the model? Um, sort of. Okay. Yay. I'm happy. I love every chance to go over this again and again and again. Because repetition is the hallmark of adult education. And this this is so fantastic. This is just the way that our brains work. And we end up heaping on a whole lot of shit on ourselves just by having a human brain and not, not being superhuman, which is what I think we expect ourselves to be. Okay, so we're going to set up your model. We'll, um, hopefully you guys can see this. C is like vacation day. I still don't feel comfortable calling it that. If you had COVID, vacay day, um, peer-to-peer issue. Okay. And you email, nobody's responding. So the circumstance is just kind of the things that are happening. It's the data that your brain is taking in. So I'm laying the scene. You're at home taking care of all the COVID people. This thing, you become aware of it. You send an email out and nobody's responding. So then that's causing, that's triggering you in some way to think something and feel something. So how would you characterize that? What were you thinking and feeling? Um, I was thinking, why can't somebody who's, this is their job, take ownership and deal with this? Okay, I'm going to put that in my coding decoder ring and say the statement. I have to do every fucking thing. When we have a question as a thought, we always want to answer it. And that's probably the answer, even if you don't have a fondness for the F word like I do. Um, And what does that make you feel? Frustrated. Mm. Okay. And then when you feel frustrated, you're, so our feelings cause us to act. So we ruminate usually. And in the rumination, we're just like spinning with all these like 
Well, you tell us what, what were, what were the thoughts going through your mind when you're frustrated? Um, basically like, why doesn't anyone care about the patient? They clearly don't understand how this process works. People are stupid. I'm putting a lot of words in your mouth for effect. (laughs) Cause this is what we do, right? What we do is, is we start spinning and we're like, nobody cares Nobody's doing anything. I'm the only one that does anything. I'm the only one that makes sure stuff gets done. People can't do their jobs. Um, blah, 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 blah. And on and on and on it goes. And it's miserable. I think ultimately when I did talk to the people who were, you know, there's like the processing person who essentially takes the information which they already have because there's already a claim open and they make you look up every little thing about the patient's group number and all this stuff that I would never even care about ever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so frustrating. So when you said, yeah, if it took me 10 minutes, I actually wouldn't care. But when it took me almost an hour, I, mm-hmm. it, I did care. It was like the time and the the sort of annoyance of the details. Oh yeah. Um, that I was short with both people and I was like listen I'm just trying to do the right thing for this patient like why can't you just like you clearly already have this information like why are you making me do this again um which may or may not be true because I don't fully understand that obviously the end of that process but you recognize that there is a vibe with which you engage with these people that is not pleasant or maybe less pleasant than you ordinarily would be or something along those lines. Because I feel like they're basically doing this to spite me and make this difficult for all of us who have to do peer to peers. Yeah. And who are they again? The, I guess it's the person at the insurance clearing house who is like, gathering the patient's information and then setting you up with right a physician re- reviewer yes both of whom require you to repeat the information over and over right yes okay thank you for reiterating that um i left private practice six months ago and it's as if i like blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> okay So basically you end up doing it yourself with pain and suffering. And this is just our default mode. This is it. That's just the default mode. There's nothing wrong with you or anybody who goes through this. It's just like our, it's passive. It's what is on our autopilot mode. So now that's the model. Circumstances trigger thoughts. Thoughts cause feelings. Feelings drive our actions. Actions then produce a result. And the result is losing it at work and vacation. You're losing work and vacation, right? Because this sucked to go through that. So now let's do our strategy model or strategic mode. And the circumstances the same. And the result, we want killing it at work. And vacation. And this is how 
I'm setting this up so that when you guys want to do this for yourselves, you can set it up too. Because that discussion we were having earlier about, well, this is going to look different for different people. When I say the words killing it at work, like that, that's going to be an individual look, right? So what, what does it mean to you to be killing it at work and at vacation? So I think the patient gets their procedure without, I mean, they actually have no idea that any of this happens also, but you know, they get their procedure. There's no issues with their insurance. Uh Uh-huh. And then you get to enjoy your vacation day taking care of sick people. Exactly. Okay. Um, so what would you need to do? So now we're going to go retrograde through this thing and we'll say what actions need to happen for you to enjoy your vacation and make sure your patient gets a procedure with no insurance issues. So I think some of it is time related, like because it was only four days ahead of time and two of those were weekend days and I was on vacation Thursday and Friday, there was like no leeway. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I have control over that. Well, like next time you go out on vacation, let's just assume this will happen again. But next time you're going to want to kill it on vacation and kill it at work. So what would you do in preparation for your vacation next time? Is there like a partner or a PA or somebody that you can tag to take care of clinical and administrative issues while you're out? Or are you like alone, alone? Mm. Well, there's like sort of another person. Hmm. That's not like a super reassuring response. (laughs) I work one day at this hospital. Okay. And there's one other person there. But like, frankly, I wouldn't want to be dealing with their stuff either. Is part of the problem. Oh, okay. So then is there some kind of a meeting that you have with your scheduler or whomever is getting all your patients pre-certified and whatnot um, to where you guys can just make sure you have everything all tidied up before you go out? Um, or is that like a weird third? So it's like a hospital system that has a third party, um, sort of clearing house for obtaining authorization for procedures from insurance companies. So it's not really, and I think this is the challenge is that, um, they don't even really identify who they are, where they are, how to reach them by phone. They don't respond to email. Okay. Then here's my next idea. We we did have this sort of an issue where I come from, um, particularly with people with one type of insurance, which is basically Medicaid. It's like the California version of it for kids. And um, if CCS doesn't give us like authorization the morning by the morning of surgery, 
then we just, we have to cancel cases and we have to cancel left and right when we don't get these auths, even though they're requested well in advance. So here's something else I'll just throw out there. Is there a way to communicate with the patient and say, there are some factors out of my direct control. And I just want you to be prepared for there to be, um, you know, hiccups with getting insurance authorizations. I'm going to do everything, you know, I can to make sure that that doesn't happen, but just in case, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, um, I mean, it's basically like open access colonoscopies. So I've never met these people before. Oh. So it's not like there's <laughs> any sort of pre-conversation. <laughs> right. Okay. Fantastic. Um, well, what are, what ideas do you have? I mean, this must happen with some regularity then. This is the second time it's happened. The first time I actually was notified after I'd already done the colonoscopy. Okay. So then. So, yeah, I mean, I, I sent an email. I asked who was the supervisor because no one had responded. I waited 24 hours or so until I was less irritated and asked who was the supervisor and basically said, like, this is not really feasible. You know, is there a way to have this done earlier so that there's more leeway for this to be done? Um, can people can be directed to, like, respond and take ownership and say, you know, I'm going to do this or this is so-and-so's job? Um, so that I know something is being done. Um, when I responded and said, I'm on vacation, this is what you need to say. This is what, how it could have been addressed. And I got no response. Okay. So maybe then you've done your due diligence and this isn't a problem for you to solve. How's and that? I basically said, like, next time I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Um, without you know, unless we're like constructively working on this. Um, I think I have this like guilt towards the patients that even though I've never met them before, <laughs> um, that I don't want them to get canceled or have last minute changes. Okay. So we'll talk about this, that in a second, but what I'm writing down in the action line is resign from the role of insurance fixer. If we try these things on like cats, just to see how they feel, that's a really good exercise to do, you guys. You can try on these things. You don't have to like marry any of these ideas. Just try it on and see how it feels to wear different hats. So in the scenario that you've described, you are kind of in the role of this person who is like managing the insurance stuff even though it's not really your job. Am I right? Correct, yes. Okay, so, and I know why you're doing that. I know why, and, and that we can talk about that in a minute, but you do have the option of just resigning from that role and, and really not doing it. So you can do um, 
the things that are within your direct control for insurance authorizations are making sure documentation is appropriate. But if you're not even meeting these people ahead of time, there's, there would be nothing. You're a technician. You show up and you do the cases. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So resign from the role of insurance fixer and lean into the role of technician. The reason why this is in this model is because this is not easy or natural feeling at all. This takes effort. This takes practice and intention to do these things. So lean into the role of technician. Now, just because you lean into the role of technician doesn't mean you stop giving a shit about your patients. It doesn't mean that you're some robot that walks in and is just like, I am here to do your colonoscopy. I mean, you you still have the... Um, the latitude to show up as a whatever kind of a physician you want to show up as without taking on the responsibility of making sure all the insurance stuff is done. Um, unless it is somehow going to directly impact your paycheck, um, it may not be worth it. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think there's this, um, you know, when they say like you have to do a peer to peer and they're, they're telling the administrative people that it's like a physician problem and the physician has to call, but then the physician is saying, this is an administrative problem. Um, this is all you need to say and it will be fixed. Mm -hmm. It creates this conflict. Okay. Of, like whose responsibility really is it? Because the insurance company is saying it's the physician. The insurance company says the physician and then the insurance company says it's not the physician. When you speak to the physician who says it's not the physician. Exactly. Okay. Did you ask the physician of the insurance company with whom you would speak to about resolving this conflict? I did not. Okay. Well, that's an idea. Like maybe work within, is it the same insurance company that this keeps happening with? Um, I don't recall. It's been like a year or two since the last one. Yeah. I mean, even if you're not going to be in the result, in the role of the perpetual insurance fixer, fixer, perhaps there would be some method with which you could, um, solve the problem of the conflict. And my guess is, is that hasn't been exhausted because you're working within people within the, your own system, within this like magical clearinghouse within your hospital system, right? But not necessarily within the insurance company. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just an idea. I'm just throwing out ideas here because ultimately the biggest win would be for this to not happen. And maybe it's not your job to fix the problem, but it could be that you figure it out. I mean, it's not impossible. I guess they did say that if when the case was booked or when the claim, you know, when the insurance request was made, that if it had said that this is a rural area and it can't happen elsewhere, that wouldn't have ever flagged. 
Ooh, interesting. So then you can go and find out like where it would get flagged to be rural. Like how that would be communicated and by whom. So figure out where rural goes. Wouldn't it be funny if it was as easy as that? You know, like stranger, stranger things have happened. And because most of all this bullshit that we experience is because of poor communication, it wouldn't surprise me if it was this simple. And look, you already had that information within you. You already were like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, they said it's because it didn't say rural and that would have solved everything. So that would be interesting to know where rural goes in the whole process. Um, and then maybe like on vacation, you do you have some kind of like out of office message on your email? I do. Okay. Um, then don't check email. How does that feel? <laughs> I think I'd have to delete the app, but yes. I mean, whatever it takes. I just, I, I silence everything and, um, where I'm doing these per diem, they gave me a phone. (laughs) I just let the phone battery run down. (laughs) I don't use the phone. Oh my gosh. Okay. So yeah, delete the app. So guys, what I'm doing here is setting up these intentional actions, because this is not going to be easy for eaten alive by mosquitoes to do. This will require intention to show up in this way. On the default model, it does not require intention to, to ruminate, to like spin out or numb out or whatever it is we do on the default side. That's all passive. It's just kind of what happens when we're on autopilot. So this strategic model requires some intention. Now, how would you need to feel in order to do these things? Um, I guess more, well, most of it would be ahead of time and just have the time to contact the appropriate people and hopefully get a response. I think in order to, like, step away from... My phone would probably be, a, or at least my email would be a generally good thing for me and would just require really a few minutes of intentionality. Yeah, but how would you need to feel in order to do it? Frust- you actually so, might still feel frustrated and do it out of frustration. <laughs> that's actually, that's an interesting point because the feeling doesn't matter all that much. We can do stuff. And in fact, we are quite good at just doing things no matter what we feel. We power through stuff all the time. The point is though, is what do you want your experience of all this to be? Do you want your experience to be filled with frustration or do you want your experience to be filled with power and peace and order and calm. Yeah, I mean, I'd like things to be organized and feel like they're addressed and that there's not loose ends. Um, And I would like to feel like I can actually relax and enjoy my time away from work. 
Okay. So then maybe the thought could be something like, I I intentionally put things into motion to have a peaceful or whatever word you want vacation. How does that sound? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I just figure shit out so that I don't suffer when I'm on vacation. And when you think that, how do you feel? Much more relaxed. You do feel relaxed. When I say that to myself, when I'm like, I did this. I made this happen. I intentionally created this situation for myself on purpose. Like, I feel fucking phenomenal when I do that. I feel very powerful. When I do that, I feel like I have agency. I feel like, like, oh, it's just, I feel full almost. Um, So for the people that are listening and watching could be like, you feel powerful. You could feel energized. You could feel peace. You could feel um, relaxed as eaten alive by mosquitoes has suggested. You could feel any number of things and maybe all of them. But the point is, is that this whole thing, this whole strategic thing is possible for everybody. It just requires a little bit of effort. And we're so used to doing effort for other stuff all the time. That's actually not a big deal to put effort in this. The more you do it, the more reps you get making this kind of effort, the easier it gets. And then all of a sudden you pop, you become a person of power because this is how you're living. This becomes the new default over time. It's amazing. So I think this was really helpful for you to bring this, um, this example to us. What questions do you have? Well, let's ask before you ask question, before I ask if you have a question, how does this land for you? Does this seem good or does this, or did I miss the mark? Please be honest, because if we miss the mark, then there's more work to do. No, I I think it's um, very constructive and um, I mean, hopefully would actually benefit some of the other people who are also doing these procedures, um, benefits the patients and, um, hopefully helps me have a more, uh, you know, complete vacation. Yeah. I think what I take from this is the biggest thing is, is this whole thing is probably solved by something really tiny. Like where does the word rural go in the paperwork? That's huge. And I bet that happens way more often than we are aware of. It would happen all the time when I would do peer-to-peers when somebody wouldn't realize there was an x-ray that had been taken and they would deny something because it didn't say, they would deny an MRI because it didn't say that the x-ray was already taken. And it's like, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I take x-rays on everything that has a pulse. Like you cannot get away without an x-ray. Everything gets an x-ray. And if if it doesn't have it in that one little area that an x-ray was already taken, then you have to do a fucking peer-to-peer. And when I figure that out. I'm like, oh, 
okay, hey, everybody, everybody has an x-ray. You can always mark it down, you know? Um, but I think that that's a really good example. Rural. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Yes, eaten by alive. Let's go next. Bananas had her hand up next. So, okay, eaten by alive. I'm going to just not disable your talking. If you could mute yourself. Um, or I'll mute you if you can't, because we're having a hard time with our Zoom. So now we'll bring on bananas. We have another person volunteering. So if we don't get to Alice in Wonderland, then I'll, I can talk to Alice after the fact. Okay. Okay, bananas. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, I made myself this because this is how I've been feeling lately. Yay! Um, <laughs> so... I am in the middle of going through some major changes um, in like multiple areas. So I was going to give you a little bit of background and then kind of try yeah. to hit the biggest point. So um, I um, joined a really large um, orthopedic practice after my fellowship. Mm -hmm. um, I was really excited because we were going back to basically home. Mm -hmm. um, and my wife and I had, uh, we had a couple, two kids at the time and we basically landed right where we wanted to. Um, location wise and had a lot of family support and big village here and we're super super excited i smell the, a butt coming <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep yeah so okay. the problem was that um the job that i took although it sounded really really great um ended up being just uh not so great for a lot of reasons but mm -hmm. um i was brought on to an area where they felt like there was maybe an area of growth. I wasn't really like replacing someone who had a practice. And so um, when I got there, um, I was uh, seeing like basically like 70% of my new patients were back pain patients, which was fine, except that I'm a sports surgeon. And so it wasn't really working out for me to book cases because mm -hmm. um, I was seeing so much spine. So um, for a year and a half, I worked with their leadership team and did, everything I possibly could to try to figure out how I could make it work at that practice. And that's a whole nother story, but um, it was full of a lot of older um, male leadership that was just unwilling to budge on the way that they did things and that, uh, that I would come up with some other ideas. Um, I basically offered for them to employ me for like almost nothing. <laughs> and mm -hmm. like, anyways, it just didn't work out. And um, so about a year and a half into my time there, we started looking for other jobs. And I first looked at the um, kind of academic center that was within reach of where I was living. And I had a job interview with them, but I had a non-compete that was within a quarter of a mile and they just panicked um, about that. So then I kind of lost that on that. So then it was like, well, I stay with this group uh, where I am going to probably fall into significant financial debt to them because of how high their overhead was mm -hmm. um, or I do something else. And in the wintertime, I had mentioned to my wife, oh, there's this post for this, this position, and it's basically across the country, uh, but it sounds perfect. And she's like, that absolutely not. real familiar. Have we talked before? Yes. Oh, yes, okay. Okay. Keep going. We talked, we talked individually for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm having a deja vu. <laughs> okay, keep going. This is good to, for the context for the group. So keep going. Yeah. So then um, she's like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. I'm like, okay, never mind. Uh, but then three, four months more went by and I was just, I mean, miserable. I, I, even though I was in this perfect place, like, you know, outside of work really, it felt like 
um, I just, I, it was just all consuming and just, um, uh, it was killing me. Yeah. So then a few months later, she said, fine, just apply to that job and it'll be good practice for you. And, you know, it'll be good for you to know people and just uh, make some connections. Well, the next thing I know, I basically got uh, flown through this process um, and, and got this job that is like, um, if I had to write down a job for myself, I think this one's it. Um, okay. It just sort of checks all the boxes, um, you know, and I'm it's academic and I get to teach. And the only, I guess, problem, if I can identify a real problem off the bat, is that it is like literally across the country from where we're living right now in a place uh, in like in the desert where we have no nobody <laughs> and like have zero support. And it could be not like couldn't be more polar opposite of where we are right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so at the time, I don't know, like looking back now, I'm like, I don't know, I was pregnant and at the time and like absolutely out of like just losing my mind with this job. And anyways, we accepted the job and I, you know, we, my spouse and I expect, you know, accepted this together, but it was on, um, the one thing I had to do was to take the job. I had to do some extra fellowship training because this is an academic center that wanted me to be able to do some extra stuff. So I went to another university that was within driving distance for the past six months and got to do an extra fellowship, which is like, by the way, so amazing. I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but during this like fellowship time, I had this time where I almost feel like I just put it out of my brain that we were going to do this and just kept living this happy life of like being a fellow and like, um, you know, living where I wanted to live. But now, uh, you know, we just in the last where I'm, I'm starting this job in two weeks. So I'm, I'm moving in like a week and a half. And um, we had, we ended up buying a house and in my like panic, I think about moving. I think I tried to sabotage our buying the house in so many different ways. It was amazing. Like I just like completely freaked out. And now it's kind of flipped to just like um, being just, like super upset to leave this place, like the, this um, area where we have just so many people and, you know, like, uh, like we just have a great neighborhood and friends and like, I'm just leading, I'm like looking at myself, like, what am I doing? <laughs> this whole uh, little family across the country. And when we spoke, I was really worried about my son, but we actually did a lot of work with him. Um, you know, and my kids are actually super excited to go. Mm -hmm. I, I wish that I could like channel their excitement because they're like upset that I'm going first in a couple weeks. <laughs> so, yeah. But here I am just like, I, I basically just, you know, uh, keep questioning, like, did I make the right choice? Like, did I like not try hard enough at that other job? Like, cause now it's like time has passed and it's been enough time where I'm like, kind of like, you know, looking back at everything and, mm. you know, just. Um, Have you ever broken up with somebody or had, you know, uh, had a breakup? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. I never let go. I still talk to them. <laughs> okay. This is so crazy, right? Like we go through these relationships and you have this relationship with your old job that is colored by the location and all the support system and all the stuff, but the job there was killing you. Those are strong words and I believe them especially if it's a private practice and you have to come up with overhead and you're just cut off at the knees by having to see spine patients, you can't book cases. There's no way you're going to make your overhead. It's like an impossible financial situation. Yeah. So when we have these breakups, it's like something happens to us and we can't remember the bad stuff. All we can think about is all the good times. They weren't beating the shit out of us. 
oh, but he was so nice or she was so nice or, oh, but, you know, we got ice cream that one time. (laughs) It's like, no, they beat the shit out of me like every day. So maybe what is needed is a little reality check in that there is a reason why you needed to leave. Right. And I know, you know, that. Yeah. The other thing is, is then looking ahead to this next job, it's like, oh, well, this needs to be forever as if we're leaving one marriage and entering into another marriage. It's like, no, if this next job doesn't work out, guess what? You can leave that too. And in the interim, something might open up back and closer to your people. We are groomed in these systems that teach us that you get out of residency and fellowship and you go somewhere and you practice and you practice there till you die, no matter how much you have to suffer. It's like people don't change jobs. And that's just not true. People change jobs. I've changed jobs like 10 times. You just (laughs) change jobs if you need to, or if you want to, if something there's, we don't have to sit in a dirty diaper and just get, diaper rash. You just don't have to. So like looking ahead to the new job seems scary if you think it's going to be forever and you don't, and you haven't started and you might be like, what if it sucks? What if I just move my family across the country and what if it sucks? And what if we hate it? And what if this, and what if that, when the reality is, is, well, that might happen. You might get there and you might hate it and it might suck. In which case you look for something else. In Modesto, perhaps, because my group that I've been doing locums for is like awesome and they need a sports surgeon. (laughs) 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 Anyway, um, and I know I sound flip about this, probably because I'm on the other side of this. I've like I've done it so many times now that I'm like, I can do whatever I want. Nothing is forever. It doesn't have to be. And if you love it, then awesome. Then that's what plane tickets are for. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, the job that I left here, um, you know, they, they, <laughs> just a tiny bit more background, they got cyber attacked. Oh, no. <laughs> and they, and they um, basically, because of that, they had to start paying for all this cybersecurity stuff. And their, their overhead, which was already high, went to like almost like 800000 a year. Mm-hmm. And, and I um, was looking down the barrel of basically owing them 250 um, at the end of my second year um, to keep working there, which was almost more than they were paying me, honestly. And I was also, again, I was pregnant at the time. And so I was going to take a hit for that because they had no, no lead policy whatsoever. And yeah. so it was just like this, like, I mean, enormous, like weight. Um, so, but yeah, it, you know, for this move, like it does kind of feel like, oh, it's like, feels like it should be forever. And I, you know, I, I know my, my, my kids are not like, you know, older or whatever but I do feel a pressure of like you know they didn't do anything and like they, they like it here and I, I know they're excited to go to um, Arizona but I, I feel a lot of pressures on the like, the entire family is literally moving because I <laughs> could not figure out a job situation here that worked let's um, tell the truth okay this is really great practice about, for everybody to tell the truth because the way you're saying it indicates that you're making this super flip decision because you couldn't get it together at this other thing. And so, you you know, you're, you got to move your whole family to your dream job. It paints you as this person who is 
not trying hard enough in a shitty situation just to like something terrible and that it's all your fault and that, you know, you got to move your family and this isn't going to be good for them. Okay. So that's the story Mm -hmm. as it comes across, but that's not the truth. This is what our brains do. Our brains are assholes. They just want to tell lies about what's happening. The truth is, is you're the breadwinner. Am I right? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're the breadwinner. You have the financial responsibility for the safety of your family. And I mean, safety in terms of like financial safety. In 2023, we don't have tigers. We have 21st century tigers, which is financial. So it, you're the breadwinner and you are in a position where as the breadwinner in a really shitty situation, you're like, oh no, I can't do this. This isn't going to be financially good for my family because this place has such high overhead. I'm going to owe them and I hate it. And I need to take care of my family financially. I'm talking strictly about finances. So I need to get the hell out of here and do something different for my family. Do you see the difference? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if your wife could go out and get a job that's going to support you guys and you can do whatever you want, but that's not the arrangement that you have. And please correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't remember the details. So let's tell the truth about it. The truth is you're the breadwinner. And so guess what? The breadwinner needs to be winning bread. And you're not winning bread in your old job. So you're going to go to Arizona and you're going to win some friggin' bread. And (laughs) then, you know what? If in that whole process, the family is going to grow, basically, because we grow when we're faced with things that are not comfortable. And maybe your kids are excited now, but they weren't at a time and moving kind of sucks always. So yeah, like it's going to require some discomfort that everybody's going to move through and they're going to be better off on the other side of it. Even if you don't stay, irrespective, if you stay or you go, they will be better off for the, for the whole experience. I really, really believe this. It's also going to teach your kids. Okay. Like, would you want your situation you had with your other job, would you want your kids to ever be in that situation? Oh, no. Yeah. No. So what we tolerate, we teach to our children. What we tolerate, we teach our children to do the same thing. So the moment you say, no, this is not happening, you teach your children that they will have the ability to say, no, this is not happening. And what do we want for our kids? We want our kids to grow up and be capable humans. So you tolerating that dirty diaper of the old job just teaches them to tolerate their own dirty diapers. This is really a good thing. And I think it's important to tell the truth about it. Yeah. And this has nothing to do with whether or not you like the job or it works out or anything. Just the mere change, the mere um, experience of going through it all. And then if you don't like it, guess what? There will be another job in Modesto. (laughs) (laughs) anyway how does that feel yeah I mean I think that the reframing is kind of the thing that like um you know I I feel like I've been like trying to do but maybe couldn't figure out what it was and that is that is 
you know, really helpful. I mean, I think, yes. um, you know, I, I, I think that like just change in general is just like, I would not say that's my forte. Um, but um, yeah, not like most of us, it's not our forte. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, I definitely think the reframing is really helpful, um, to do. Yeah. So yes, some people call it reframing. I call it telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Bananas. Alice, I'm staying on. We're getting to you. So bananas, go ahead and um, mute yourself and we're going to bring Alice on. I'm going to stay as long as it takes for Alice and you guys are welcome to stay too. If Alice can stay. Oh, um, Sunflower just said something. Thank you for this discussion. As I am in a hotel with children in the middle of moving from a bad situation to a new one, I am hopeful about Oh, a new one I am hopeful about. This is what I needed to hear about why it is important. I am also choosing to value myself and my sanity and protect and care for my family. That's right. Okay, Alice, here we go. Uh... Okay, Alice, give it a go. Alice, can you talk? Shoot. Can you hear me? Yes, I got it. Great. Um, so uh, I'm a graduating chief uh, in a surgical program. And my dilemma involves a situation with an intern who I worked uh, pretty closely with on my most recent rotation. Um, and coincidentally, I'm working with again until the end of the year. Um so this intern is not performing at the expected level. Um, and I do believe that our program has spent some amount of time and energy trying to uh, help this individual improve, like even before this past rotation that I worked with them on. Um, and as like as chief on the last rotation where I did work with them, I can say that uh, that they did demonstrate improvement over the course of that time. Um, mm -hmm. Like with interactions that were targeted to address their weaknesses, they did improve. Um Unfortunately, I think where some others may have kind of flown under the radar, if they had had the support of a strong team of like of other juniors there, mm -hmm. this individual's deficiencies were, I think, were kind of magnified by the combination of other like exceedingly weak team members on this last rotation. Yeah. Um, and so I know our CCC meeting just occurred. And so I reached out to my PD to kind of see how I could help this person improve on this rotation where I'm, I'm now, I'm still working with them. Like, like what specific things I should kind of try to focus my efforts on to get them ready for PGY two year. And my PD informed me that this individual is not, they're not going to be progressing this intern to PGY two year, that they're going to have them repeat their intern year. Okay. And What's so while so I'm sure there are details that I'm not privy to, but I feel really conflicted about it because this resident is from an underrepresented group in my subspecialty. Okay. Um, and I'm not making ac accusations of discrimination. Like, I don't think that that's like overtly what this is, but I'm really frustrated because we've progressed other white male residents who are weak or severely underperforming, but maybe just didn't have the exact set of challenges or circumstances that it, this individual faced. And mm. like, I don't, I don't think we should promote somebody who isn't ready but this individual has a really good attitude has demonstrated the capacity for improvement and this is going to be like a serious mark on their record and uh, the resident is not aware of this this decision to hold them back yet because there's like a lot of logistical hoops that need to be jumped through mm -hmm. um and i did tell my pd that I, I like had some concerns because we've progressed other individuals who weren't ready 
Yeah. That said, those individuals maybe are still struggling. <laughs> um, so maybe they should have been held back. Or maybe intern year just doesn't actually matter and they'll be totally fine by the end of residency. I just kind of like feel shitty about this and I don't know what my role in this situation should be. Like also given that I'm I'm leaving in a couple in like four to six weeks anyway. But like I I don't know. I felt some I don't know if I feel some responsibility because like I was with them for the last seven, six or seven weeks and and I did feel like they were improving. But, you know, I don't know if it was just too little too late or or what. Um, well, do you think this person deserves to be held back? Irrespective of any, like, um, underrepresented minority situation, yeah. is, is this somebody who needs to repeat their intern year in your I don't know. I, so I think part of it is I don't know what what makes you need to repeat your intern year? Like, what do you, what will you actually get out of doing it a second time? Yeah. You know, intern year is intern year. You check boxes, you check labs, you do discharge paperwork. Like intern year is, you know, I, I don't know that repeating it, repeating PGY two year, you know, I could see, I could see that as maybe making a little bit more of a difference, but I just don't know that repeating intern year does will do much other than be a blemish somebody (laughs) exactly (laughs) essentially and like this this person has made a lot of really serious efforts like takes feedback really well Mm -hmm. always like is looking to improve and I feel like when when I targeted very specific things that they were failing at with like with specific interventions like try doing this try doing x y and z they improved and so I don't like, I don't know if it's just they're, they're not good at problem solving or like troubleshooting their own issues, which again, that, that yeah, that's, that's a problem in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But I also, again, why are we holding this individual to a different standard? Like, I just, I just have that's a problem. It. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So what was the answer that you got when you said that to the people at the CCC meeting? Well, I wasn't at the CCC meeting. It was more just, I, I called my program director this morning. He was like, I didn't know that they were holding holding him back. I just said that, you know, like, hey, I'm with so-and-so again on this next rotation. This is a lower volume, lower stress rotation. They have the opportunity to do like, to do some more than just basic intern stuff. Like what things, like what deficits were brought up at this meeting that I could focus on so that way like we could try to get them as ready for pgy two year as possible and that's when he told me they were holding him back and who was that the program director okay um do you have a good relationship with the program director yeah good enough well it occurs to me that the whole reason this is even an issue for you is because there is a problem here. There is a double standard at play and that you probably think he doesn't deserve to be um, held back. Like if, you, if you thought he was so know. terrible, then yeah, you'd be like, oh yeah, he needs to be held back. Well, I do. He is pretty bad. And like, so, <laughs> like that's, that's part of like, part of my issue is like, he is pretty bad. But the point is, is one of the PGY twos that he was working with on this last rotation is equally bad, if not worse. And like mm-hmm. part of the reason that he probably suffered was that he didn't have any sort of like mentorship from a, a competent PGY two on his last rotation, but it's like, we progressed that kid. Yeah. 
So, you know, and again, that's not, it's not an ex like you shouldn't progress somebody if they're not ready or just because you progress somebody else. But I just feel like there's, like you said, there's a double standard here and, you know, and he has demonstrated that he can improve. And so maybe, maybe repeating his intern year, maybe he'll improve and maybe everything will be fine. Or maybe it's going to screw with his fellowship opportunities because he's now has to explain why he repeated a year of residency. And like, and that's a, that's a serious, it's a serious mark. Yeah. Um, What the other thing that kind of came forth from your description is you're uncertain of what your role is in it. Like, do you have a responsibility? Do you want to have a responsibility? Like, what's the right thing for you to do? Exactly. I I, I don't know what the right thing for me to do is here. Right. Like um, my only exposure, my only true exposure to working with this individual was like, you know, the last two months, essentially. And so I saw a lot of their deficits, but also I am, I feel like I also technically, I mean, in a lot of ways I work more closely with them than a lot of the faculty have who are mm-hmm. making this decision. So I don't know. So, and now you have this opportunity over the next however many weeks until the end of the year to work with them. Mm-hmm. And so you... I mean, you, you have a choice. You can perhaps mentor him. This is a tough one. Like, what do you want? Do you know what you want? I don't know what I want. I'm just, I'm angry about the situation. You know, I want, I'd like, what are you angry about? Is it the fundamental unfairness of the standard he's held to? Yeah. I mean, the, the it's that it's fundamentally unfair. Yeah. But I feel like he's, yes, he's, he's incompetent. Like, sure. We can say he's incompetent, but he's also got a really good attitude is a really hard worker and does take feedback well. And so I think he's got capacity for improvement and I don't want to, I don't want to break him, you know, like I don't want to make him, you know, I don't want him to feel like he's being held to a different standard or, you know, or for him to feel like he's somehow that much worse than other than everybody else in this program. When I I don't think that he truly is. I think that he just had some shitty circumstances that magnified a lot of his shortcomings. Yeah. And so if that's the case, then he has, he has a, a legal case against him. Right. Like if there's, if there's, um, if there is some unfairness with the way they're holding him to a standard, that's not the same as the, the, the white people of the program. And it's, as you're saying, and you have told them what he has made efforts and he's teachable and blah, 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 then they are exposed to litigation because he would have a case. He would, I guess. I just, I don't, I really, I don't truly believe that this is like, I don't really believe that this is overt discrimination. I think that 
it's a combination of bad circumstances and and the fact that he is performing poorly like without a doubt he is performing poorly but how is it not discrimination if the if the other people got passed that, that aren't good either or worse i think i think that they just flew there weren't as many as not as many issues bubbled to the surface because there were other people who were working with them who were able ah. to like catch, to catch their mistakes so they just they had a better safety net throughout her yes. year than this kid had so maybe a just a place to start would be if this is the thing you want to do because it's your choice if you want to advocate for your residence or your residency then maybe communicating with a pd about what are the standards that are needing to be met and if so the this is what i can offer to you as how the standards are or not being met across the board, not just for this person, but if you're going to put a fine mag, mag, uh, magnifying glass on the intern, then we must also put a magnifying glass on everybody else. So if the intern's not going to get passed, then maybe this too should also not be passed. Well, I think that's part of it is I think that this too is shouldn't be passed. That's right. That's what I'm saying. That's that's the conversation to have for you as an advocate for your residency or the residents or the patients or whomever. It's like, yes, I understand why you're putting the intern under the, under the microscope, but if he's going to be under the microscope, then it is my responsibility to tell you, these are the other people that have red flags. They need to be under the microscope too. And if you don't look at all of them equally, then you are exposing yourself to litigation. And I'm sorry to say that that's like the thing that makes people jump, but the L word is what makes people jump. Does that make sense? It does. It does make sense. I, I guess there's also this, this part of me that feels like I'm, I'm only privy to a, you know, a subset of information, right? Like I don't that might know. Be. That might be, and it may not be your role to know everything, but you we're just the chief of a very busy service where you had the direct observation of some things that maybe, you know, you could even provide specific examples. So your responsibility here is to offer what you know. It's not to offer what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, and if you're concerned about there being a fundamental unfairness, then for you in the way you show up is to level the playing field is does it make sense how I'm trying to say that it's like if you have any responsibility at all it's like oh yes I understand what you're saying about this person this is my assessment he has these weaknesses but he also seems to be very teachable and these are the specific examples of which I can share with you that show he's doing what he can to improve now let's move on to the twos here are the examples with which they are not teachable and that I'm concerned a patient will get injured if such and such thing happens or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be your editorial comments, but like the specific examples that you have just so that your contribution to the entire thing is not adding to the unfairness, but rather serving to try to equalize the playing field or um minimizing the unfairness. I hope this makes sense what I'm trying to say. Because I get the sense that you want to do something. 
I get the sense that you feel like there you have some kind of a responsibility here. I mean, I I do. I also, but like, but do I? You know, is it? Yeah. Or am I overstepping? Like I'm trying. I don't know. Maybe I'm just. I feel like when you graduate yeah. in like you know at the end of June, you're graduating and you're off to your fellowship. Will this bother you if you don't say something? Maybe, yeah, I mean, I think for a little bit, and then I'm sure I'll move on with my life like anybody else. But, you know, I, I, it bothers me because I think he's a really good person. And I think he's, and I, I think he, he has potential. Like, he's the sort of person who I, I want in our field, you know? Yeah. Just, and I don't want to see him quit or not get, like, the the position that he needs to down the road because because he's got this like stupid blemish on his record from intern year, which is not, you know, which I don't, I don't know. I just don't even think is that meaningful when all is said and done. I, I hear you. Um, as the administrative chief, I don't know if you have that role in your program, but I, I had it. And this was like a long time ago, so I'm sure things have changed. But it was not the most pleasant thing in the world to have to try to give an accurate assessment for how people were going. But my my um, input was required because that was the job. I mean, I was the administrative chief, so that was a part of it. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that that is the role you have here, but if you weren't bothered at least to some level you wouldn't have brought it up here with this group so that tells me this is important to you for a reason maybe we haven't uncovered but I think it might be the unfairness of it and if that's the case then who do you want to be in the face of the unfairness yeah and that's something for you to answer and if it's you know, like we're all just surviving and this won't break him. This will help him. He will get better because he's teachable and I don't have all the information, then that's completely fine. But then if it's also like, you know what, I'm not going to be able to really, um, the mark that I want to make here is that I would like to provide a voice that at least tries to minimize this disparity in some way. And the way I can do that ethically is by sharing what I know about all of the people that I've been working with, not just the the intern, and then let them do with that what they will. Yeah. That's a tough one, you know, because also like we, what we haven't talked about is what people I'm sure remember. And if you're a resident now or still, you know, maybe fresher, from residency is there are some places where speaking up about stuff really puts your head on the chopping block. We didn't, we didn't even talk about that as a possibility. Like, is, does that put you at risk? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, well, I think it helps that I'm, I'm finishing in four weeks. Right. And like, there's yeah. not that much that 
that they can do to me or maybe I'm wrong, but you know, I, I don't, I don't think it would reflect poorly on me in any way. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's just that, what if I'm, what if I'm wrong? Like, what if this kid really does need this extra year and he's going to hurt somebody if we progress him. Right. And like, I don't want to be wrong about something like that. You know, I feel like right. I'm the person I like, I play things, I play things safe and the safe thing to do is to give him another shot sort of, but I also just, I don't, I don't know that that's going to help. Yeah, you don't know that it'll help and you don't know that it won't help. So yeah. we don't, we don't really know. No, we don't. Um, and it sounds like you like the guy and it sounds like you don't want him to have to suffer and assuming he will suffer, it'll sting, but people get held back a lot. I know. Cause I coach them. People get held back more often than I think it's actually happening more and more these days. Um, and it's a, it's an interesting thing to face and people can either face it with um, a growth mindset and learn from it and move on and be better off or people can face it from a victim mindset and end up getting fired from the program and either is possible. I don't think that's what the real problem is here. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the real problem is here, not aside from just feeling bad for the guy is like, then these other people suck too. And they are, and nobody sees it. Oh, they see it. I mean, like it's, it's known, it's well known, mm-hmm. but again, like why, why is this other kid not, I mean, unless, unless he is and nobody's told me, but like, why is this other kid then progressing when, when frankly, like, I think there are absolute basics that he doesn't recognize that like, I don't see how he's going to be, you know, an in-house senior overnight as a PGY three and, you know, can't now at the end of his, at the in, end of the intern year, who I feel like take care of a basic, you know, trauma patient. So. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. So that's where providing feedback to the program director in a, like, you know, I was boots on the ground with these people for the last however many weeks. And I, you know, I see and understand how the intern has been identified as having problems. I would like to offer that these are the strengths and weaknesses of everybody on my team. It doesn't even have to be all bad. It's like everybody has strengths and everybody has weaknesses. And you can present that as data to help inform them. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, like, I also don't want to tank this other kid, right? Like, it's not my goal. I know, but it's not your call. You're just providing data and it's the truth. It's not like you're making shit up to defame people. That's where specific clinical examples can be really powerful. And residencies need to graduate safe residents who have a fundamental knowledge base and some basic skills. (laughs) If they don't have it, they shouldn't graduate. That's true. You know, like it all sucks and stuff, but it's that none of that's your call, but you have data and it's critical data that I think could be very informative for them. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't know that that was helpful. Okay, guys. Oh, what was that? No, it's just talking through it is helpful. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. And it's also because you're not a psychopath and you care about people, which speaks more about you and your, you know, 
we all have our inner compass with what drives us. And I think that you care about people and nobody wants to see people hurt or suffering or anything, but that's just the way the world is sometimes, unfortunately. But if there is a fundamental unfairness that can be addressed, that's heroic. Okay, friends, we didn't lose our recording and I will catch you next time. Thank you so much.